So we are starting off the year today, well, our church service year, with how to become the happiest person alive. Anyone want to have a happier 2023 than 2022? Come on. Okay, I, we, one of the things recently I was spoke about on holiday was like, we just want to laugh more this year. Like, we don't want to take ourselves so seriously. We just, we want to have more fun. We want to be happier. When was the last time you felt happy? Can you think about a moment? Maybe it was when you held your child for the first time. Maybe it was the end of last year when you wrote that final matric exam and you just had this sense of overwhelming joy and delight, happiness. Okay, for me, if I have to think back recently, at the end of last year, um, Reese's company took all his employees plus their spouses on a kayaking adventure at, uh, down by Seed Point. And we were meant to go the week before, and the, it was that week where it was just blowing like crazy in Cape Town. Like you couldn't even walk outside without being blown over. And we were like, yo, this is not going to be fun. And so they canceled it, and they said, no, we'll do it on the Monday. Anyway, I ended up going, and it was literally the most perfect day in Cape Town. There was not a breath of wind. There was like five or six meter visibility in the ocean. You could see the ocean floor. It felt like a lake, like it was perfect conditions. And so we go out on the kayaks, and it's this amazing, you've got the view of Lion's Head. You've got Sea, sea Point in the background, and it is just beautiful. And then all the dolphins just come out to play. And you've got dolphins jumping around your boat. We could see them going underneath our boat. Like you look at them next to you, they're jumping out, they're doing all these incredible displays. And there's just, I had the sense of like, God loves me. Wow. Like, like it was just, it had been a hard year and I felt like it was God smiling on me saying, I love you. Like take delight, enjoy this. Enjoy this moment. It was a moment of joy. Can you think of the last time you had that moment of joy? Think about how you felt in that moment. That hit of dopamine or the, the feeling of just satisfaction, contentment, fullness. You're like, wow, this is amazing. Do you know that, that, that all of us crave that feeling. In our lives, throughout our lives, that's what we crave. We crave happiness. We crave joy. We crave contentment. And so we're always searching for that. But the, the joy is that God doesn't just want to give us moments of joy. He doesn't just want, to, want us to keep chasing these moments and these highs and these, these experiences or these relationships that bring us that joy. He actually wants to make us into people of joy, joy-filled people. And this, this feeling of joy or this, this um, craving for joy, it's not a sinful craving. It's not, it's not in the world because, you know, the media paints this picture of, like, the world is fun and, you know, there's all these cool things you can do, but God says no to those. Christians need to be serious and nice and calm and, you know, we just got to be really calm, serious people in order to be holy and godly, right? No, okay. God is a God of joy. The feet, that craving, that desire to have, be, have fun, the desire to be happy is from God. 
because God is a joyful God. God didn't set a creation saying, I need to create a world. Let there be this. Let there be that. God was like, hey, I'm going to make an insect that looks like a twig just to blow their minds, okay, just to, for them to be confused. Like, oh, there's a leaf. Oh, no, that's an insect, okay? God is, is full of joy. When he, when he finished creation, he stepped back and he said, oh, wow, oh, this is good. There was joy. There was delight because God is a God of joy. And he wants us to experience joy, but not just experience it. He wants us to be filled with joy, joy overflowing, to become people that are joyful. But the world has turned our desire for joy into a self-serving desire to make ourselves happy, no matter the cost to anyone else. So it's perverted it. It's taken this pure, good desire, and it's made it self-seeking. Like, I deserve to be happy. Come on, I deserve to have this. I deserve happiness in my relationship, even if it costs my family, even if it destroys my relationships with my children. Or I deserve to be happy. I deserve this promotion, even if I'm stepping on other people and it causes them unhappiness. This is what the world's done. But there's this pure, so there's this pure desire for joy that God has put inside of us. But then there's, there's a different way to go about it that actually causes pain and heartache. And it becomes self-seeking. And that's not the joy we're talking about today. That's not the happiness. When I say we, we want to be the happiest people alive, it's not at the expense of other people. It's with other people. It's in a way that brings joy and happiness to all. I feel like it's a Christmas message. Okay. <laughs> um, so how do we become the happiest people alive? Well, we become more like Jesus. Okay, Jesus was the happiest person alive. Is. He's still alive. Jesus is the happiest person alive. Okay, if, if you have to look at the Gospels and Instagram Jesus' life from the Gospels, you're not going to find what you find on, on the internet when you Google Jesus. Like, Google Jesus and images, and you find all these solemn-looking, serious-faced, um, long-haired men. Um, but if you had to Instagram the Gospels as Jesus' Instagram page, you would see him having a fish fry on the beach. You would see him at a wedding, and he wasn't the first person to leave. He was still there when the, when the wine ran out. He was there at the end. He was changing the water into wine, okay? He was hanging out with children. He was telling stories. Jesus was fun, okay? Children are not attracted to boring people, they love the fun uncles, you know? And if you read the Gospels, you'll see the children were attracted to him because he was fun. And so if we want to be the happiest people alive this year, we need to become more like Jesus. And so if we look at John, the book of John, chapter 15, 16, and 17, I love these, I think I've, I think I've included in my preachers often because I really love these portions of Scripture. And it's, it's Jesus before he gets taken up to heaven, and he's, it's after his crucifixion, and he's talking to his disciples, and he's sharing his last thoughts with them. And so in John 15, 11, he says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. What, what, what were these things that Jesus was to, had told them? It, it's the, the picture that he painted of the vineyard and the vine, and how God is the, the person that cuts the vineyard. 
the gardener. Thank you. <laughs> God is the gardener. Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. And he's saying, when you stay connected to me, when, when you're part of, the bran- part of the vine, then you're full. Then you're going to produce fruit. What is the fruit? Joy, love, joy, peace. You're going to produce these things when you're connected to me. So I've told you these things. I've told you to stay connected to me so that your joy can overflow. Then the next chapter, 16, verse 24, he says, You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. Okay, God is saying, or Jesus is saying to them, like, guys, something amazing happened when I died on the cross. You've never done this before. You've never experienced before. But now, because of what I did, you can ask to be healed in my name and you can be healed and you will have joy. You can ask to be set free in my name and you will be set free and you will have abundant joy. The next chapter, John 17, verse 13. Now he's praying and he's praying for the disciples and he's praying for all Christians to come after or through them. And he's talking to, G- to God and he says, now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. Everything that Jesus came to do, that he came to share, was so that we can be filled with his joy. Okay, so we can have joy in him. Christians should be the most joyful people on the planet. Jesus is the happiest person alive and we want to become like Jesus. So, how do we become the happiest person alive? Okay, I've got three steps for you today. Three steps to becoming the happiest person alive. And we're going to look at Paul's letters to the Thessalonians and to the Philippians. Yes, the Philippians. There's two books where he writes very similar things. And I want to just take you through the two. So first, we go to First Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 18. Okay, he says... Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. Always be joyful because that's God's will for you. So he says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. Okay, then we go to Philippians 4. And again, he says, Philippians 4 verse 4. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Then he goes on in verse 6. And he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Okay, so in Thessalonians it was, always be joyful, never stop praying. Now he says, always be joyful, rejoice. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. So be joyful, never stop praying, and be thankful. Thank Him for everything. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Okay, so step one to being the most happiest person alive this year is to pray. Step one, pray. We need to let go of the illusion of control. Okay, 20, this is a hard one. Pauline, I see another eight. Any other eights? No. <laughs> Josh. 
Okay, this, this, is, this is where I get stuck. So th two and three are, for myself, are easier to implement. They're practical. You can just put it in a calendar and you can do it. You can set a reminder and you can do it. But this is not just something you can do. Okay, I mean, you can set a reminder to pray, but you actually have to let go, and you actually have to trust God. And it's not just about praying, oh, God, help me have a good day today, amen. I'm talking about a prayer where when you're feeling anxious, you're sitting with God until you feel that release, until you feel that prayer. I'm talking about when you get stuck in something and you're needing wisdom on something, and it's just not coming, and it's not coming. I'm talking about sitting with God until God gives you the wisdom that you need, where we're seeking God, we're sitting in His presence. And something that's helped me so much with this is silence and solitude. It's where I'm not just, it's not just a rushed prayer, but I'm actually taking time out to just sit, to be quiet, to say, God, I don't know how to deal with these kids. I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm, I feel like I'm failing all the time. What do I do? Show me. God, give me your wisdom. I can't, I can't do this on my own. God, I'm giving it to you. I give their futures to you. I give everything to you. And then I just sit and I wait. And I listen. And I listen. And God often doesn't tell me how to change them. He often tells me how to change me, which is not great. But he's like, hey, let's work on this patience thing. Or let's work on, on this a little bit. But I promise you, God always answers. Not straight away, not always with the answer that I want, but he always answers. But we have to learn to let go and to let God and to trust that God is sovereign no matter what. And what I love about these scriptures where Paul's saying, be joyful, rejoice, is that he's not writing it in a, in a place of luxury. He's not living his best life. He's in prison. He's suffering, and yet he still writes, be joyful. Because you see, joy in the world, or happiness in the world, is connected to your circumstances. So when your marriage is great, woo, living my best life, this is amazing. When it's not, there's no joy, there's no happiness. Or when the job is going great, and you're earning lots, or the business is working, then life is great, and like, you know, you're full of joy and happiness. But as soon as it's not then, oh, life sucks. Well, this is just too hard. I can't deal with this. But when we read Paul's words, we can see that he is joyful regardless of his circumstances. He's not talking about a happiness that is conditioned with our circumstances, with our relationships, with um, moments. It's something deeper. It's something inside of him that was so secure, so content, that he could be joyful in all circumstances. And we see this in... Philippians 4 verse 11, it says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. So not just surviving, but thriving in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It is in God that we get our joy, our contentment, our satisfaction. Without that, without Him, it, it is only situational. It's moments. 
But if we want a deep, lasting joy, then we need to pray more. We need to get into God's presence. We need to fill ourselves with His truth, with His love, with who He is. Remind ourselves of who He is and what He's done, because it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And I want to encourage you this year not to distract yourself with social media or um, series or whatever, whatever it is that we can. There's so many things in life today that we can distract ourselves with because joy doesn't come when we are disillusioned to our situation. We can't just say, oh, I'm just going to ignore the bad things in life and just focus on the good, you know? Like, just gonna, I'm just going to pretend that there's nothing going on at work. I'm just going to pretend, you know, I'm just going to jump into work and ignore home because that's not good at the moment. That's disillusionment. That's not true joy. Joy comes when we actually sit with God. We walk through these things. We work on our emotions. We work on ourselves. We work on our marriage. We work on our relationships at work. We work on our schoolwork, okay? We go through it. We work on the hurts and the pain that's in our lives, and we come out the other side whole and healed, and then we are filled with joy. So it's not a distraction. It's not disillusionment. It's actually sitting with God and dealing with the stuff that is sapping our joy, that is pulling our joy away. We need to pray more. There is a sitting and a waiting that is painfully boring. <laughs> That's what I've learned. In this last year, I realized that I rush it. I want to just sit and pray and be like, okay, God, here's my stuff. Give me peace and joy. Okay, let's go. Woo! But it doesn't work that way. There is a sitting and a waiting that is painfully boring. And it doesn't fit into society, the way society is changing and the way that we get the, everything instant. It doesn't work that way. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changing with the time. He's not going to become a quick um, click or a snap and everything happens. You have to sit. You have to wait. You have to pray. And then joy will come. I've got this poster in my bathroom that says, gaze upon the Lord and your joy will come. It's a paraphrase of one of the Psalms. Gaze upon the Lord and your joy will come. So step one, pray continuously and pray about everything. Step two, thank God. Okay, joy, we need to, Jason was saying it this morning, like we need to rejoice. We need to choose to rejoice. And I always struggled with that, choose joy. Because I am an emotional person. I feel everything. I promise you, if I'm angry with you, you will know. <laughs> if I'm happy, you will know because it's all over my body. Okay, I, I feel things so deeply. And so when, when I'm struggling with something or I'm upset about something and, and you know, people are like, choose joy, I want to punch them in the face. I'm like, how do I change? I don't feel joyful. How do I just be like, ah, I'm so happy. No, I'm not. I'm miserable. Okay, how do you just, how do you change yourself? You thank God. That's how you do it. You, you thank God. You, we can't, joy ultimately is an emotion. It's a feeling of um, great pleasure and happiness. And you can't make yourself feel what you want to feel. You can't change how you feel. But you can change what you think about. Okay, you have control over your mind. So what you think about can change. If I stand here today and I say, okay, think about ESCOM. 
How are you guys feeling? Angry, right? Frustrated. Maybe anxious. Maybe anxiety comes up with your business. How are we going to survive? Or what about this country? Like, oh, maybe I should start making plans to immigrate. Okay, when you think about that, everything, your emotions come with it. It changes what you feel because what you think changes how you feel. But then, if I say, okay, now think about the best moment you had on holiday. And I think about, I think about Luca, and we were at this, the Iguana Caves, and he's coming down this huge slide. I mean, he's two. He's coming down this huge slide, and he's just got this huge smile on his face, and he's banging against the sides of the water slide, and he's coming down, and he stands up, and he goes, woo! And it's, I feel joyful right now, right? Okay, it brings joy to me because I'm changing what I'm thinking about. And so this, is, this step is so important. Okay, we need to thank God. We need to, for me, it's three things every morning. What am I grateful for today? Because there's always going to be things that are hard. Trying to get kids ready for school in the morning is hard, okay? But I've got to change my mindset. I've got to not focus on that. I've got to say, okay, God, what am I grateful for? Hey, I, we have an amazing roof over our head. Hey, we've got this. I've got this in my life. God, you've given me this. Thank you, God, for these beautiful children. Thank you, God, that we have a car that we can go to school. I can drop. I don't have to walk my kids to school. Thank you, God, that we had a breakfast this morning. Okay, there's always something to be grateful for. And when we focus our mind on what is good, it shifts something in us, and it changes how we feel. And it doesn't just have to be random things that you're thankful for. If you're really struggling in an area, so say you're hating your job, maybe that's what you need to focus on. What am I grateful for in my job? So you walk into work on Monday and you say, God, thank you that I get a salary. Thank you that in a, in a country where there's so much unemployment, I will get a paycheck at the end of the month. God, thank you for the one colleague at this place who's kind. Like there must be something Okay, try to find something that you can be grateful for. And I promise you, your whole demeanor will change. The reason I had to do this recently in our marriage, I mean, we usually have a perfect marriage, but the kids were like, we had just gotten a third child and things were rough <laughs> just after COVID. And I, we just found ourselves so negative. And like, I remember we went for lunch with Jason and Sue the Wines, and they were like, what are you enjoying at the moment? And it was a long pause. <laughs> and neither Reese or I could answer that question. We were like, I can tell you everything that's wrong. <laughs> and, they, and they advised us was, okay, every night or every morning, what's three things you, you're grateful for in each other? What's three things about Reese that you're grateful for? What's three things about Tammy that you're grateful for? And we did it. And it was hard in the beginning. We're like, you're kind. <laughs> Because <laughs> you're so focused on what's going wrong. You're so focused on what's lacking that you can't even think about what is good at the moment. But once you force yourself to start thinking and start thinking, it starts coming so naturally. And after a while, you're like, oh, I'm so grateful for this in you. Oh, God, thank you that you gave me this in a husband. Thank you that, that Reese is like this. And there's so much good that can come. But unless you're intentional about it, your mind will naturally go to what's negative. When someone asks you, how was your day? You think about what went wrong before you think about what went right. And you, you end up, your, you notice like your speech, wow, like I'm actually quite negative at the moment. And actually, 
my life isn't that bad, but we naturally think and focus on what is wrong. And so step three, thank God. Thank God for things in your marriage. Thank God for things at school. Thank God for things in your friendships. Thank God for everything and make this something, even as if you're a parent, do this with your kids every day. Ask them, make it a thing in the way, on the way to school. Hey, guys, what's three things you're grateful for this morning? Or before they go to bed, what happened today that you're grateful for? Wow, I missed a whole bunch. Okay, thirdly, <laughs> and the last point, fill your mind with truth. Philippians 4 goes on in verse 8 to say, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So we need to thank God, and that's a moment in the beginning where we're thanking God and we're changing the way we think, but then we actually need to fill our minds with truth. How do we know what is true if we're not putting truth into us? Because I promise you the world is telling you stuff all day long, in the news, on social media, in your friendship circles, in series that you're watching, document, whatever you're watching, whatever's coming at work, the world is telling you things over and over and over all day long, and most of those are lies. So how do we know what's true? We have to fill our minds with God's truth. We have to go to the Bible. We have to read God's word because that is truth. What you put in is what you're going to get out. So whatever you're filling in, putting into your mind, that's what's going to come out. What we put into our minds determines what comes out in our words, our desires, and our actions. So what we're filling our minds with forms our desires, forms the things we actually want in life. And it changes what we say and what we do. And you see the ser series and movies and the media, they normalize sin. I mean, what we watch today would horrify people that watch, I don't know, when did TV come out? When it first came out, <laughs> as a child. The, if they had to watch what we watch today, they would be shocked. They'd be like, oh my word, I don't know where to look. How are we, like, this is hectic. But yet, we can watch it because it's normalized. It's okay to see all kinds of things. It's normal. Everyone's seeing it. Everyone's watching it. Everyone's doing it. It normalizes not just like dodgy things, but sin. And if, we, if we're not filling our minds with what is true, how are we going to know the difference? How are we going to know what's good and what's not? And the problem with this is that our righteousness leads to joy. And so if we're not sure what is righteous living, what is true, what is right, we're going to ch make choices that are going to lead to unhappiness, to, to heartbreak, to maybe happiness in a moment, but it's not going to be lasting, and we're going to end up with emptiness and nothing. But if we know the truth, and we know what's true, then we can follow the truth, and we can cho make choices that lead to joy. Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3 says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. 
They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Oh, the joys of those who meditate on God's word day and night. You see, God's word isn't a book of rules that are there to keep you away from joy. They're not there to make your life boring or to keep you from happiness. They are there to lead you towards joy, towards happiness. His word is there to help us make choices that lead to life. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, You will show me the way of life, granting me joy in your presence and the pleasures of living for you. You will show me the way, the way to joy, the way to happiness, the way to life. Because we have to read God's word. We have to fill our minds with what is true, what is honorable, what is good, what is pleasing. And I'm not dissing series. I watch series way too much, working on that this year. Okay, but you can go on social media, you can go on these things, but you need to know what's true so that your spirit can discern for you when you're in a situation, hey, actually, that's not God's way. And yes, that might look good in the moment, or that might, listen, I've done lots of things in my life that were not godly, but they were fun, and they brought happiness in that moment, but they also brought harm. They also brought a lifetime of hurt. They've also made my marriage harder at times because of choices I made that were fun in that moment, but there's consequences to everything. And so if we want to be the happiest people alive, we need to grab hold of God's word, we need to fill our mind with his truth, and then we need to make choices based on God's truth because joy comes from the Lord. It is God's plan. It's God's purpose. It's, it's his joy that he fills us with. And so we need to follow his way to get to the life that he created us, right? Okay, so in closing... Philippians ends off this portion in chapter 4, in verse 8 and 9, he says, no, in verse 9, he says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So we've got three steps, pray, thank God, fill our mind with truth. These are great things to know, right? I know these things. I've known these things since I was a child because they taught us this at Sunday school. Am I the happiest person alive? Reese? <laughs> no is the answer. Okay. No, I'm not. Why? Because it doesn't help knowing it. Because it doesn't help sitting here this morning and hearing the stuff. We have to put it into practice. We have to do these things. And unfortunately, when life is just flying by, we don't take the time to put into practice what we hear. And so we need to slow down enough. So there's three things I'm focusing on this year. And I want to invite you to do this with me. It's a way to implement these three steps. The first, start your day with Jesus. Second, end your day with Jesus and then prioritize Sabbath. If we start our day with Jesus in prayer, oh God, I'm feeling anxious about going back to work. Won't you just give me your peace? Help me, God. What do I need to do? 
How can, I, how can I change me this year to make my work experience better? We start our day with Jesus. Then we fill our minds with his word. At the beginning of our day, we're reading truth. We're filling our mind with truth. When we need that, it's going to pop up in the day. Okay, so we're praying. We're filling our mind with truth. And then we're thanking God. We're saying, okay, what's three things I'm grateful for this morning? God, thank you that I have this. Thank you for this in my life. Thank you. Guys, your day is going to be so much better. Okay, you're going to take that joy of the Lord with you through your day. So start your day with Jesus. Then end your day with Jesus. There's a great app. Well, there's two actually. Um, Lectio, um, the Lectio 360 does this. And, um, and the Pause app as well. So I use those, those two so often. And especially at night. Because it's actually a, like the Lectio one. The evening session, so there's a morning session and an evening session. The evening session actually takes you through a prayer in order to let go of what you can't control. And so it's like, what happened today? What, what do you, what, where did you see God's goodness in today? Okay, what was hard today? What, can you, what do you need to let go of? And you can actually, before you go to bed, you can end your day by saying, hey God, I didn't actually finish that project that I needed to finish. And like... I'm stressing about it, like I'm not going to have sleep tonight, but I did everything I could. God, I've done what I can. Won't you help me to just release the rest to you, release the outcome to you? Or maybe there was something that you did that where you were like, actually, I didn't, I didn't do everything I could. God, forgive me. Forgive me for not being diligent. Forgive me for not, and you can let it go, and you can trust God. Okay, we need to start our day with God, and we need to end our day with God. And then for me, it's to prioritize Sabbath. Because there isn't enough time in the week. It's just crazy. It's busy. And I don't get enough time to actually delight in my children, in my family, in who God is in creation. And so we prioritize taking a day off to just rest, to be, to delight, to like we love going for walks in the forest. And as we're walking, we'll be like, oh, guys, isn't God amazing? Like, look at this. Look at that. How, how beautiful is creation. We get to enjoy this. We get to go do fun things. And you can take that time out to be grateful, to, to really generate that, that heart of generosity, I mean, gratitude, and to enjoy God, to be with God. Because ultimately, we want to be with Jesus. We want to become like Jesus. And then we want to do what Jesus would do if he was us. And if we do that, if we start our day with Jesus, we end our day with Jesus. If we pray, we come to God. If we thank God and if we fill our mind with truth, we will become the happiest people alive. Okay, as I I pray for you, you can close your eyes. I do want to encourage you, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, guys, this joy that I'm speaking about isn't possible without Jesus. There isn't. It's not accessible without a relationship with Jesus because our joy is found in Him. You will never find it chasing the next excitement, chasing the next relationship, or chasing a better job or more money. You won't find it. I promise you. I've tried it. I've been there. I've earned the money. I've chased fun. I've jumped out of airplanes. I've chased waterfalls. I've done all the crazy things. I've tried it all, and I've still, and it was fun. It was amazing. I had the best time of my life. But when I stopped, and I sat down, and my friends had left, I was empty inside. 
God doesn't want to give you a moment of joy. He wants to make you into a joy-filled person. And so this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. If you don't know God, don't you just want to, and you want, to, you want to choose Him, you want to start this incredible journey of joy with Him, don't you just want to put your hand up for a second, and I'm going to pray for you.